0: Hello and welcome to the History Tea Podcast, the podcast with lots of history and, of course, lots of tea. Hey, David. Hey, Ali. You right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Are you all right? You know, surviving.
1: Well, that's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay, hun? Are we going to have to turn this into a therapy session and not a podcast?
0: It all happened. It all started when I was three. and uh... (coughs) (laughs) My cat abused me. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) Not the cat. (laughs) To be fair, my only memory of my cat... That I had as a child was it stood in front of me, threw up an elastic band on my lap, and then left. Apparently, he used to attack me all the time. That's why we gave I it to the neighbors. Brought
0: you a gift.
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's why. Because we, when we moved houses, I always wondered why did we not bring the cat? And it's because he used to attack me was as a baby. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so the neighbors took him.
0: A baby attacking cat. Yeah. What are they planning?
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's terrifying to think. <laughs> yeah, Marvin, if you're yeah. still out there, it's not too late to come clean.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll take him in. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> You'll be treated with respect, Marvin, but you've got to come clean. Marvin was the cat. <laughs> so, speaking about killers, we are going to do...
0: Arguably one of the best killers on the planet.
1: What well, the cats.
0: No, what the podcast episode Oh yes,
1: out. yes. So the podcast episode is going to be about cats. I mean, sorry. It's going to be about firearms. It's going to be about guns. Guns. Boom-booms. My boomstick, quote <sighs> Ash from The Walking Not The Walking Dead, The Evil Dead.
0: Evil Dead Part 3.
1: This is my boomstick.
0: I love that film. It's, it's so batshit crazy. It's character. a great film.
1: It's a great... Did you watch the TV series? Of course I did. It's so good. But they cancelled Yeah, it. I can't believe they cancelled it. Bring it back. By popular demand.
0: He was also... Ash was at the end of the remake of The Evil Dead. I didn't see that. So the newer film was actually pretty good. Mm. I think it was like 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, But after the end credit scene, you know, they've copied Marvel a little bit. I feel like that was a trend. Um, at the end, Ash just turns to the camera, and he uh, he just smiles, and then it, it ends.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. He was also in all three Spider-Man. He movies. was
0: because it was Sam Raimi, who did yeah. It. And he's suspected to be Mysterio in all of those.
1: Right, but then, then obviously different. That didn't happen.
0: Well, it's what it's.
1: Jake Gyllenhaal came in, smashed it.
0: Yeah, well, I think, like, obviously it was different.
1: It was a different different universe. universe. But who knows? They're doing a Spider-Verse thing, aren't they, possibly?
0: Well, I think they're going to try and do, because of the Spider-Verse, that's the same universe. That's implied that it's the same universe as Samarami's. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, now they've done time travel and they've done the weird, like, multi-dimension multi-dimensional thing they can do whatever, the whatever they, they want. want they've pretty much opened it up to we can do whatever we want you can't say shit about it anymore
1: so i think we're it's about like
0: the um morpheus film that's came out
1: yes with the and... batman the, well not the batman and not the man bat the vampire man yeah yes so
0: um what's his name from the first spider-man of the new one with tom holland in it vulture yes he appears in the trailer right so and obviously venom is going to be a kind of but then they reference the um andrew garfield spider-man in that one oh, so i don't God. know what they're going to do
1: i don't know what's going on either let's talk about something i do know about because we are only <laughs> what five minutes in welcome to our and, new podcast and, and spider-man <laughs> <laughs> what's going on Filmo o t Filmo tea. spider t <laughs> <laughs> spider-t Oh, that sounds like the worst drink. Spider tea. Mm, I so, bet. I bet there is a spider tea. I bet there is some sort of like infused, infused, with infused... silk
0: spider silk. Yeah. Bullshit.
1: It's meant to be good for your glutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah I just named a random body part. I don't know what that bit is.
0: Really good for your
1: sixth sense. It's really good for helping you climb walls. <laughs> Ever wanted to climb walls? <laughs> Spider tea. <laughs> okay, we've done it again. We've gone off topic again. Back to topics. Boomsticks, guns. Boomsticks. We're going to look at the history of guns and, like, it's going to be a brief overview of guns and the just general development over the years, why they developed, when they developed, what's changed. Because you know it's a big scary world out there, but guns are a big part of it now, and there's a big history behind it. Like, like, and a lot of technological innovation, which you know. Arguably could have been put to like better use, such as like curing cancer or solving world hunger. But uh, no, yeah, but
0: most medical devices are made from.
1: You could, if you were a bastard, make an argument that guns have helped save lives <laughs> because they've allowed us to study people that have died from guns and gave us insight into the human body. And you wouldn't be entirely wrong but I think as well, you wouldn't be entirely right.
0: Yeah, catch 22, mate. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to kill thousands of people. <laughs> no, we don't. To cure cancer. <laughs> no, I, we don't.
1: <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, Ali, we do not need to Some, do that. You know, please, please, for the love of God, for the sometimes listeners.
0: Sometimes I think we don't need gun reforms. <laughs> I feel like, Gun reform, you know, if I don't have a gun to protect myself, then someone else is going to have a gun. So, you know, I think it's just one of those, David. I think, you know, you just got to got be open to the fact that guns are great.
1: Now, I know you're joking because I've known <laughs> you for many years, but our listeners might not. So I cannot wait for them to all come at you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we thing is, right, we're not going to go along the politics route of, of guns, guns for no. this, this It's just going to be pretty... We're, we're, we're from the UK. We all have, I think, sh- similar shared um, attitudes ideas and attitudes of what we believe gun control and gun law should be. We definitely have a strong opinion that ours is the right one. <laughs> Mainly because, you know, lots of people aren't
1: dying in mass shootings every year.
0: But, we, you know, we won't get into that one. We'll oh, you on. said
1: we're not going to get into the politics no, you know, and yeah, then you've okay. just got into the politics. Yeah,
0: I know. All right. Okay. We're,
1: we're not a political them. podcast. No. We are a history-based podcast. A very,
0: Yeah. We're...
1: Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Accurate we are. I feel...
1: Like a gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, some
0: of the early ones.
1: Well, no, that's very true. We
0: touched on it briefly in our dueling
1: episode. We did. But do you know what? What's really interesting is talking about briefly the idea of guns saving lives kind of segues it doesn't by the way but kind of well, kind of ah, anyway no politics but it kind of segues into the beginning of guns all right so where are we we're in china it's 13th century i've heard of this place it's a big place it's very important right and somewhere in china
0: they're still making iphones
1: Still, they were the making iPhone iPhone, one. The, the iPhone 1. They were developing it from the get go. Apple stole the idea from ancient texts, long since buried in tombs of kings and emperors. But <laughs> the, <laughs> there's somewhere in China, there's someone working on something. Do you know what it is?
0: I assume it's gunpowder.
1: Wrong. Fuck. It is the elixir of life. And in this process, <laughs> They make (laughs) gunpowder. It must be the most ironic fucking thing to ever have happened in the history of inventions. They genuinely, that was the pursuit of, of, of the intention of this stuff was to do that. And then they found out, actually this stuff blows up real good. And more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but the way I see gunpowder is, is a black sand-like material yes you wouldn't go when i think of the elixir of life i feel like
1: it'd be some sort of deep
0: in the amazonian rainforest there's a fucking waterfall that god himself has pissed into and the water's sparkling and there's a naked girl under the waterfall and she's just like you know she's thousands of years old because she bathes in this you know god piss (laughs) (laughs) that's what i imagine the elixir of life to be not black
1: granules granules
0: of shit that explode some
1: might argue that that would be very appealing so people that like coffee i'd argue that tea is the elixir of life because coffee
0: ain't the elixir of life though is it you drink enough of it you get a headache and anxious for the rest of the day
1: Yeah, that's why I said tea is the elixir of life because I've been drinking tea all my life and I'm not dieting. David,
0: you drink too much tea. I'm on my third (laughs) cup, right? And I'm already getting the shakes. I don't know how you're doing it.
1: I'm going to be uh, pissed. I tell you how I do it. I have a steady heartbeat of 93 beats per minute and I'm (laughs) not in bad shape. I'm actually in quite good health, but I think I drink too much tea.
0: I'm going to be up and down to the toilet. Too many times in this episode. Yeah,
1: there might be some really rough cut editing in here because Ali's going to have to jump up and go. and We hear
0: a lot of like moving around on as on, he's shifting his yeah, legs, shifting my <laughs> legs, and trying to like hold hold it in. But no, I'll hold the end of my penis and make it fill up like a water balloon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're cutting that out. This goddamn thing. Everyone's done it.
0: <laughs> no, they haven't. You know when you were a kid? No, <laughs> I did. <laughs>
1: Good for you. Constantly, just, <laughs> can, you not? Can, we, can we not? Right. Can we? Let's go back to guns. I'm just saying.
0: There so we are. There we are. It was a very dangerous weapon, honestly, because then you had this dilemma of like, what am I going to do when I let go and just piss goes everywhere.
1: <laughs> right. So he's tried to invent this bloke. <laughs> or last I don't know who, but they've invented gunpowder, thinking they've invented the elixir of life. They soon find out that what that's what is not-
0: gunpowder? How do they do it?
1: So gunpowder is uh charcoal, sulfate, and no, yeah, charcoal, sulfur, and oh bollocks, I no, know. I'm it. Get no, you. I know it, I know it, I know it, I know Ooh. it. Give me a second. Charcoal, sulfur, and That's oh, gonna piss me off. That, Ali, get up the cheat codes. Do you want to know
0: what it is?
1: Potassium.
0: Potassium nitrate.
1: Yep, yeah. it's sulfur, carbon, and potassium right, nitrate. We're going to do that again. So, David, what is gunpowder? <laughs> well, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, it's uh, potassium nitrate, carbon, and uh, sulfur. No- <laughs> <laughs> you know, gonna- missed out on charcoal. Is it no carbon? Oh well, yeah, the carbon's okay. the charcoal. Yeah, fair okay.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, go ahead. So, <clears throat> sorry, let's go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is uh, gunpowder anyway?
1: So it's a combination of sulfur, uh, carbon, and potassium nitrate, or sometimes known as saltpeter.
0: Okay, and what are the products of uh, combustion?
1: The products of combustion.
0: Yeah, you know the products after you've, after the material is combusted.
1: I don't know. It smells like eggs, so probably sulfur.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> it's fifty-six percent solid products, forty-three percent gaseous products, and one percent water.
1: Do you know what? That is not a concerning fact because if you're on the receiving end of it, you're not going to be. The
0: thing bothered. is, though, this. Thing that I've just brought up here. This is definitely going to be modern gunpowder.
1: Uh, probably. Yeah. Well, maybe. As like. No. Well, no, because we don't really use gunpowder anymore.
0: Okay, modern in the sense of there's going to be prototypes. You know, they're Mark One. Yeah, so ain't going to be as good. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like gunpowder gets refined and developed as the years go on. Um, you know, by changing sort of the the grain integrity to sort of like a finer powder which is easier ignited all that sort of stuff but so the chinese invent the gunpowder and they uh, basically actually don't use it as for firearms or um explosives initially
0: mm, they put it on top of their toast
1: they they spread it on their toast um and they you know they eat eat the toast to get immortal life and then they drink a little bit of mercury just to really sort of take the edge off and uh, and then they would live forever <sighs> because <laughs> you know how you said like surely these granules of blackness won't be you know that can't surely not be associated with some sort of elixir for life we're talking about a civilization where people did drink mercury thinking it was gonna keep them young keep them healthy
0: oh god there
1: was many an emperor who probably died of mercury poisoning
0: wasn't there something like that for lead as well uh yeah didn't people used Ars- to-
1: yeah lead arsenic radium there's always there's been years in, but when you discover a new material and it's fucking spectacular everyone th- thinks it's like the cure for all um and uh, and then it quite swiftly turns out to be not the cure for all it's probably mm. going to kill you who'd have sunk? in fact like um you know the terracotta army yeah so that's part of a humongous uh, temple or burial complex um and supposedly in amongst this like i think it's 50 square acres of land There is a sort of underground sort of throne room, essentially, and it's supposedly filled with rivers of mercury and things like that. Um, But no one's ever gone in it because they don't they don't know if it's like super poisonous. So they're kind of like trying to work out if it's there or not. But in the recordings of its construction, that's supposedly what's happened.
0: Surely there's like hazmat hazmat suits you can go in.
1: Yeah, Probably. But also you don't want to be like knocking into stuff like that all willy nilly. It might come out like in the future. Like if they work our way, but a lot of modern archaeology is now more about, less so, about digging up and more about scanning the ground mm-hmm. because you are less likely to destroy the evidence or cause any issues by, um, because yeah, by by scanning rather than digging orange, it, yeah. yeah. Because again, <clears throat> well, probably
0: not Lydar, a lot okay, of
1: problems with archaeology as well comes from. I've got a friend who's well into the archaeology, and they would be able to like explain this way better than me. But basically, you've got the item itself, but also the con- context that it was found in. And so, again, by removing it from that space, you remove the, pot, like, the context forever. So, if let's say rock records got destroyed or whatever, people wouldn't know the context of an item anymore because we removed it from its original context. So it would make further learning harder. Um, but I digress. So anyway, so they invented this stuff. They don't use it in guns, but they do use it in fireworks for entertainment, but also on the battlefield as ways of signal signaling armies and sending off messages. So they send up different fireworks to tell you when to do stuff or where to do stuff. Um, so that was initially what it was developed and, and utilised for. Um, but Did you get different
0: colours in the flames? Yeah, yeah. At that time, I think
1: you could by mixing different materials and stuff. You can you know, like modern fireworks, you can get different fire, like You know, obviously, there's a lot of science behind it. Um, but back then, they were doing the same sort of stuff.
0: The Chinese were pretty good at the old the- signaling and communicating over long distances weren't they
1: uh i suppose so like they were they were they were very advanced like at that time they were a very advanced civilization um you know they had a lot of like years of doing stuff i suppose under their belts but they're also like, yeah i don't know a
0: lot of years building a big wall
1: yeah they were building big walls like there's a lot of development um and like a lot of philosophy and sort of big thinking going on in China as well as sort of technological innovations in in both engineering and, and chemistry and all this sort of stuff. It was, a, it was a real sort of like, yeah, real cool place. But they invent this stuff, uh, they use it for fireworks, and then the, obviously uh, China is part of what's known as the Silk Road, which is this big trade route that sort of travels all across the East over into si- Europe.
0: the si- Sioux Canal.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that, um, and so gunpowder inevitably got uh, its hands like other people got hold of it, um, and the Europeans actually got hold of it pretty you know within the 13th century. So like in the 1300s, Europeans were uh, accessing gunpowder and using gunpowder. Um, yeah, sorry, not the 13th century, the 14th century in 1300s, and they were using gunpowder um, for far more destructive means. Um, and the first,
0: they just say like you do you guys know what you have right like surely like why are you sending it up in the air like fireworks and shit like look look I've blown someone's leg off with this yeah
1: watch what we can do aren't we so sophisticated look what I'm doing to your entire family yeah to to (laughs) signalling you know people you're using it for sort of more altruistic means even if it's you know during warfare and stuff you're an idiot what you need to do is use it to blow up your fellow man yeah look because we're civilised look at your entire family (laughs) Gone. See? <laughs> the power. Look
0: what you could have done.
1: Yeah, so the Europeans took now get on this part what of... could have been a, a very sort of, you know, just a material for entertainment and and communication to whole new heights. And they created what was known as, well, they created the cannon, like the original cannon, the bombard, as it was known, which is a very large tube of iron. Um, and you'd put gunpowder in it and a rock and uh, you'd set fire to it and it'd shoot that rock at something. I just like to think of the guys collecting those rocks. Yeah, to be fair, like, like
0: is it like going down to like a, I don't know, like a reservoir or something, and you're just trying to find the
1: perfect flat stone to skip. No, they would is have it just
0: a bunch of guys like flicking through it. Like, oh, can't no, like the you know, people, or would they have like yeah, carved out.
1: Basically, masons would have carved them into right as best they could, uniformed stones essentially to shoot out of these things because you didn't want to get jammed in there because that would be game over. But like like early firearms, like you no, know, we're not going to go into artillery. That's a whole different kettle of fish. But they were pretty dangerous. Um, I remember there was an account. I can't remember what from what battle it was, but basically there was a guy who was defending the castle with a cannon, and I think this was 1400s. Um, and he got off three shots in the entire like battle, um, and hit his mark every time. And that was so uncommon that instead of getting rewarded or or, or you know a promotion he was uh, told that he is possessed by the devil and he needs to go on a pilgrimage. (laughs) So they were like, wait, you shot that thing three times in a battle. That's well good. And you hit everything every time. Devil, definitely possessed (laughs) by the devil. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Yeah, so they weren't particularly great feats of engineering and they were very dangerous. But obviously, if you got the big version, people started to see that you could utilize it in a smaller version. And so the hand cannon was created. And this is just as crude as you think. It's a metal tube with sometimes a a large bar that comes away from it, um, which sort of sits underneath the armpit. Um, And then you would hold the bottom of the tube with the bar underneath the armpit. And you'd put your rock, or if you've got actually carved ones, you'd put those down in the tube with the gunpowder. And then you just have a lit match, essentially, and you just hold it to the touch hole the little hole at the top where you put a little bit of gunpowder it'll burn through and shoot um they were very very unreliable they were prone to blowing up in your face um oh god yeah they were not particularly accurate any over any great ranges and culturally they were pretty disdained like these handgunners because they were essentially evening the playing field a bit so before if you were rich and you had like armor and stuff like you got to go in the battlefield feeling fairly safe because you could you're not it's hard to kill you um but then the hand cannon kind of changed that and it meant that normal ordinary soldiers could start seriously injuring or destroying uh very expensive knights and men at arms and noblemen and so they were pretty pretty looked down upon plus like archers and stuff like that who were and crossbowmen they were all employed and and again they saw these people as pretty reckless and dangerous
0: Gunpowder coming over here taking, taking our, our
1: jobs, yeah, exactly. There's probably a bit of that in it, but also because it didn't take any skill either. So, like, an archer would have spent years and years and years training up. Whilst if you wanted to be a hand cannon, you just had to have the balls to do it, like, do it. So, uh,
0: sign this waiver, you may get blown up, you might get blown up, but you might take out a knight.
1: So, With sick bragging rights, yeah, man. Don't tell anyone though, they might execute you, but yeah, sure. Um so yeah, so that's that's where the hand kind of starts, and there's several different. Again, there's no back then, there's no manufacturing process really, so it's like they're not entirely uniform. Each one was slightly different, different styles, different Ain't ideas. Nobody 3D printing them. Yeah, and um, some even started to develop like a wooden stock to go underneath the barrel, so you didn't burn your hands. You know, you know, just basic ergonomic stuff like that. Um, and that will that starts to develop into something that we probably recognize as a gun. Today, like, if I showed you a hand cannon, like, I think when you're listening to me talk about it, it seems pretty self-explanatory. But I remember when I first came across one, I was like, I don't know what this is. It looks like a really weird mace. Like, it's a very strange looking thing. Um, uh, But yeah, so then we start to put, like, a wooden furnishings on the, on the hand cannon. And we start to make it more ergonomic for a user.
0: Sniper scopes, that kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously. obviously. We're talking two times, four times, mm-hmm. eight times sniper scopes, variable scopes, yeah. infrared. Um, it made them a deadly, deadly adversary on the medieval battlefield. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I can imagine a few years after, the, you know, submachine guns were invented. Mm. It all straight happened straight away.
1: in a space of a week, Ali. Well,
0: I thought, you know what? End of.
1: End of. End of and this episode. That's the episode done. done. You know, they they put some wood on the bottom of the hand cannon and then, then they had an MG34 and that was it. It was game over and we're here today. Everyone else has just been copying since. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we start to get something that resembles what we would understand to be a gun and that would be the arquebus, which is... The arquebus.
0: Sounds like... um old like folklore like you know the Columbus. <laughs> the crampus
1: if you do not behave this christmas and the akobos will come and get you good fucking luck nothing kind it shit because <laughs> <laughs> that's another point is that these very early firearms have a very low rate of fire so they have like you know one i can imagine one be more, shot a minute if that i can
0: imagine there'd be a bit of like scare tactics as well like like they probably weren't obviously not very accurate but they probably made a shit ton of noise yep probably a lot of like flat flat you know you disorientate people pretty well could you if you're up and you know if they're up close would you want to get close to that no if you knew as a knight right you're going in yeah they won't be able to hit you from a distance accurately but just make sure they're not loaded when you're next to them because they'll fuck you up
1: yeah absolutely um and you know, and what they start to do is they develop like huge. They essentially start developing tactics to mitigate this inaccuracy. Force fields. For- <laughs> 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 yeah, they just they just get a bunch of the local wildlife and they just pile up in front of them, and then they shoot through the ship. I've
0: seen Independence Day. David, explain no more
1: force fields. Force Carry fields. on. I mean, to be fair, I mean, there are examples where not force fields, but where they use um sort of mobile carts to essentially set up firing teams so that they could have a bit of cover. Essentially like a medieval tank, I suppose. But that doesn't come until a little bit so later. How
0: powerful were they? Because could you So you theoretically know, get a barricade and walk your way down to the point where you could be a bit more effective in tackling them? Or would they just rip through?
1: Oh, how powerful were the firearms? Yeah. Yeah. So the firearms were not super powerful to the point where actually some well made armors could resist the strike there will be a big fucking dent and you would feel like someone's like you know that force is still going to hit you but it might not go all the way through um so their their ranges are you know accurate to sort of about anywhere between sort of 80 to 100 yards ish um so not
0: as bad as i thought
1: no i mean i mean the uh, i don't know the 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 statistics for early arquebus um but it they don't when you get like a later musket the technology doesn't change too much so you yeah so we're talking about anywhere between like so sort of 80, 80 80 average we'll say 80 80 yards give or take
0: it's short anyway
1: yeah it's it's short enough and your reload speed is long enough that you want to make sure you fucking hit what you was charging at because they're going to be on top of you before you can do anything about it um but yeah so they start to develop like shooting with like volleys so essentially because the guns weren't particularly accurate you're now just basically putting as many down range as you can which is actually a, a sort of a, a theory and a principle of guns that essentially is around today it's not changed you know that's why we have rapid fire firearms so we can put more bullets down range because you increase the statistics you increase the likelihood of hitting something so
0: not only that it keeps heads down
1: yeah keeps heads down but yeah so on the battlefield you start to have these like huge troops of common men shooting and slaying uh you know knights and people that are meant to be sort of uh, trained all their lives and so invested is that effective then for it to yeah be like change because
0: this is you know you you hear about it and you go right well if they were that shit and that primitive at the time, surely someone should have gone. This ain't really working. Like it's good, but it's not really that effective. Or is it just people going? No, any technology going. This this is going to be fucking sick one day.
1: There's potential Which, here. Yeah. There probably is a lot of that going on, but you know people are developing them. Um, but I think the immediate appeal for many armies at the time would have been that you could hire these people with this stuff and it was easy to take up. Like if you were looking down the barrel of seven years of training with a bow or get the same pay, maybe even more pay, doing a hand cannon's job immediately, you probably see where you go.
0: Um also I can imagine it was probably cheaper because instead of getting a bunch of, you know, um bowmen training them up Getting a bloody, you know, getting the bow done, getting their fletchings and all that sort of stuff, you know, and I know and, I'm... and you know, and, and then obviously there's a difference in quality there, especially you know, you know, you got a knight with his sword and his, mm. you know, you have to get good eye um, mongers and all that sort of stuff and like really know their craft to make really well, you know. I, I can imagine these are just sort of, yeah, here's a bloody tube, tube, stick some gunpowder down it. I don't, I don't know how was gunpowder quite difficult to make back then. I
1: can't Uh It would have been harder than it is today, and it would have been a, a handcrafted exercise. It wasn't like mass produced. It'll be
0: wild, dangerous.
1: Super well. dangerous, my fucking god! But yeah, because um, essentially you're you essentially just more and pestling it. You just put <sighs> the stuff into the the thing, and you just grind it all down and, and combine it in the right quantities to get the desired result. But um. But yeah, so so it it it's clearly effective enough that it's starting to catch on and it sticks around for years because we're talking like thirteen hundreds when we first start to see those on the European battlefield, and it's not until the fifteen hundreds that we see them becoming.
0: What would you have done though, like if you're on the opposite end of that, receiving end of that, and you just hear and see loads of like fucking bangs going off and a couple of your mates get downed, you are like. What the fuck?
1: What is this shit? Or were they aware of? They would have been you know, aware of that technology. Like, you know. surely there would have been one
0: battle, or one person so, brought it in and and just shut up a load of people, and then they came back and went, "Yes, they had this like magic boomstick," and it like,
1: I don't know. Yeah, there's no doubt that. But also, you got to understand that my mate just had a massive hole in his head. Yeah, there, there probably would have been people like that on the battlefield because. But if you're looking at the sort of the knights and the sort of men-at-arms and these people that make a profession of warfare, they would have been very uh, aware of development technologies and very aware of how to utilize them because the people with the hand cannons wouldn't have just rocked up off their own fruition. They would have been hired in. So they would have been very aware that these things are rocking about, you know, keeping up to keeping up to stat, like, you know, keeping their, what's the saying, finger on the pulse. There you go. So I don't think there would have been such a shock, but just maybe some people that haven't, some younger lads or people uh, in the lower echelons of the army, they might not have heard of it until they heard it. <laughs> they heard it and they um, it. and it was over. <laughs> yeah. um, they heard it and their whole life went black. But the battle uh, that solidifies firearms as being the future of warfare um, and changes everything is is the Battle of Pavia, which is in the I want to say 1517, but I could be wrong. See how good my brain is. Ding, ding, ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Ah, uh, 1525. Ding, few uh, years you, off. No, you were fine. Yeah, few fine.
1: years off. So 1525, Battle of Pavia. I don't we got,
0: think we're going to be known as the most accurate podcast.
1: Uh, we can't be spouting lies. Now,
0: we can't be spouting lies, but there might be some discrepancies in terms of dates.
1: Yeah, we're going to try and like get there'll those. There'll be a few years we're off. Trying to, we are going to get those right. Like, yeah. like, we're going to try and make sure we don't fudge anything. But, um, you know, there might be a few things that slip through the cracks when we mm. get carried away. But yeah, so the Battle of Pavia, you've got the French and they're fighting against the Spanish. Um, and uh, yeah, the... Spanish come out on top I think oh god it's been so long since I've looked at it ah uh, yeah so it's the holy roman emperor charles V that's a um, sick fucking flag it's a cool flag isn't it yeah so the so yeah the, the french are fighting against the holy roman emperor and the spanish um and austria as well because uh, to put it to put it bluntly basically the holy roman empire was sort of the germanic areas at the time and charles v was already king of france but the holy roman emperor was essentially elected into the position um from neighboring areas so he became holy Roman emperor so he then was like king of all of those areas as well as spain um Which sounds great, but we need to remember that this poor fuck, uh, Charles V, also was terribly inbred and had a fucking chin. In fact, Ali, I will find you a picture of this man, because it's going to make you laugh. Charles the Chin. (laughs) Holy mother of God. Look at that chin. And we've got to remember that this would be in a flattering portrait made of him, not an accurate one. Let me just basically there was so much inbreeding that this prominent chin became a feature of their family and then it started to take on a bit of a sort of like always oh, got the chin <laughs> that's a good thing oh not not God. not that man has an incredible underbite and he needs he needs some serious help like eating must have been a nightmare you dribbling see, all the time see
0: on this one you can see he's got a bit more of his like lips a bit more pulled forward yeah in this one he's a bit more normal yeah he just looks like he's got a longer face. Oh, uh, he's
1: grown a beard to hide it, oh, which is very wow. clever.
0: That's that's very, uh,
1: you know, using using very beard, modern day techniques exactly so. to sort of bring shape to your face. But yeah, he had an absolute chomper, man. Um, but anyway, so that was the Battle of Pavia, um, and that was decisive victory for the Holy Roman Emperor um, and the Spanish because they were utilising uh, firearms in a really effective manner. And by this point. Um, in the 1500s, what was uh, battlefields used to be dominated by the heavy cavalry charge. They would make and break most battles. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the introduction of firearms and actually a resurgence in pike use. So pikes fell out of favor for a long time. The The Greeks famously used pike formations to uh, defeat their enemies. Um, but they start to be reintroduced and readopted. And you start to get what is then kind of the... Uh, combination of pike and musket which becomes predominantly how wars are fought for uh, a long time like hundreds of years after this point um and so the the relevance of heavy cavalry becomes less and less and less over the years from that point on and armor disappears for a few reasons um but gunpowder is certainly one of the big reasons um because it meant that the armor was no longer a guaranteed investment in your safety because, whilst you probably could adopt armors, and they certainly did attempt to make bulletproof armors and were successful in many spots, um, it just becomes this arms race. And as the guns get better, the armor struggles to keep up.
0: Yeah, back then as well. I can't imagine. Like now, we've got cool new synthetic materials. Yeah. Like bulletproof vests and all that sort of stuff, you know, but they're not metal, they're just lovely material that can take impacts really well
1: yeah absolutely and um, you know so that was uh 15 25 um, and when
0: you're working with metal and you can only do so much of it i mean i guess you can make it thicker but then that's what they do
1: essentially they just make it thicker and they then, also change the consistency of the armor so they were before going for very high carbon content in their armor to make it very strong and rigid. Um, but as firearms got introduced and they tried to adapt armour to deal with that, they actually reduced the carbon levels in the armour to make it slightly softer. Because what would happen is if it was too rigid, the impact from the bullet or the, the round would shatter the armour essentially, it would break through. But by, reducing, by increasing thickness and reducing the strength of the armour or the rigidity of the armour, it actually allowed the armour to absorb the energy. And oh. So actually, by making it softer slightly, it increased its usefulness. I must be a
0: well-fine line between making it soft fine. enough that it does that, but hard enough that mm-hmm.
1: it don't go
0: all the way through.
1: But you can already see why the armor starts to fade, because it's it just becomes too much of a hassle to keep up with it.
0: And also, money.
1: Yeah. like,
0: And the guys you're putting it on like they're only that so strong
1: exactly it becomes impractical um you know until they start you know armor's not going to come back in a big way until they can start like creating like mech suits for people and even then the like the investment you would have to put into each individual soldier would be so astronomical that they would find better ways of dealing with like dealing with warfare and stuff so sorry to any like sci-fi fans out there like anyone that likes warhammer or anything but big giant power armor is probably not going to happen and not until it becomes really cheap, <laughs> which I doubt it will. But yeah, so so we're looking at, yeah, well, what did I say? 1525, Battle of Pavia. We're starting to produce pike and shot formations. Um, and eventually we get towards the end of the 1500s and the beginning of the 1600s. And the Arquebus is then formally turned into what we'd know as a musket.
0: The Arquebus.
1: Arquebus. Because children at Christmas are the I to get you. But yeah, so they change it into the musket. And I think that's probably where most people who don't have too much knowledge of the um L firearms and history and stuff. Well, you know, everyone knows what a musket is, I reckon. Um so
0: not everyone, David. You know you know what they say when you
1: assume. You make an ass out of me and you no. sharp. So a musket. A musket. Talk to me. Talk to you about musket. So musket is very similar to the arquebus, but it's far, probably better. Uh, it's, again, more ergonomic. Um, it's smoothbore, which means, well, that'll make more, re- have more relevance later down the line, but it means it has a similar accuracy of those arquebuses. Um, but what the musket has is a, and to be fair, some of the arquebuses also had it, but it has a, mechanical ignition source so before you were basically holding this thing and using your hand in a lit match to dunk into the hole yourself and then what you start to develop like a, into like
0: a traditional cannon that you see yeah on the side of pirate ships there we go like that
1: pirate ships like that but also they they had a bare ignition source they didn't they wouldn't just use their hands anyway but we're not doing artillery i said this earlier Oh, you bastard. David, you bastard.
0: I want to know when the railguns come out.
1: The, well, they're on their way, my friend. I've and, watched, I watched and, the YouTube videos.
0: And the Ray guns. When are we going to talk about the Ray gun?
1: When I'm damn well ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a futurist poster. This is not future tea. This is history tea, goddammit. And you will respect my authority. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Muskets. Muskets. And the first. Largely adopted style of musket It's called the matchlock musket.
0: Is that the one that looks like it's got a horn? Like it looks like the instrument horn? Like they're like? Or is that more blunderbuss? That's I mean, they, oh, that's a blunderbuss. Yeah, that's, like, but that's they kept, different. They more flare out at the end. Yeah, that's a blunderbuss. Okay. So, so the like
1: matchlock it. musket is yeah a uniformed barrel all the way down, no no flare or anything in it. Uh, typically wooden uh furnishings and, or stock um and the way it would operate is you would place the gunpowder down the barrel because these are all barrel loaders um you would then place your uh musket ball and then you'd place a bit of paper or cloth which was known as wadding
0: are you sending a note
1: yeah fuck you, off yeah you, yeah you, <laughs> you write on the wadding what you want to tell the person you're shooting <laughs> um, it was an early adoption of before, like, the Postmasters and stuff, but yeah, it was ultimately like, seen uh, as a bad idea because too many people died. I
0: imagine it's nice for the family as well, you know, when they're, like, doing an autopsy. And, and they like, pull
1: out, like, sorry, yeah. wasn't personal, just business. <laughs> King told me to do it. Soz. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, so the the bit of paper or cloth is... So that one, so that if you lowered your musket downwards, the barrel ball would just roll out the end. Oh, okay. And two, it enabled you to make the explosive and the ball more compact. And the reason you want to do that is for well, for energy. So by making it more compact, uh, the explosive
0: to escape around the, the
1: yeah, exactly. The um, also, gunpowder is actually a really slow burner. So if you put it on a table, for instance, you'd light it, and there would be a big, big puff of smoke and flame but it wouldn't blow the table up. You have to put it in a container to give it that explosive energy. Well, it's like if energy.
0: you got like a firecracker and you put it in your open palm and lit it, you yeah. would probably burn your hand and, you know. But if you clenched If you it, clenched your fist, you would probably blow your hand up.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's one of those. Um, and so... Yeah, so you do that. Uh, And also, like you said about air, you don't want any air pockets in there Mm. because if that air expands in anywhere other than out the end of that tube, again, you can cause things to explode inside the firearm. So it's probably why a lot of them exploded early on because they didn't know the techniques properly or the science behind it. But yeah, so you do all that. I
0: guess there is a gaping hole in the, the firing hole. That's a secondary hole, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's very small though. It's very small it's like you could barely get a toothpick in it, kind of small. Oh, okay. Um, like
0: so they must have known roughly the kind of...
1: They knew how to make a gun fire one way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But but the, with the air and stuff, it's probably something that's developed. Um, and with a musket, you have what is called a scouring stick, um, and you would then remove the scouring stick from below the barrel, and you would flip it around, shove it down the barrel to ram everything down and make sure it's all compact. So once you've done all that, you're now ready to fire the firearm then you've got... You look
0: down it just to double check.
1: Yeah, yeah. You stick it in your mouth to make sure it tastes right. Um, (laughs) After all, it is the elixir of life. It is the elixir of life. So you want to suck a bit of that back out before you shoot at your friend. Could you imagine if it was the elixir of life and everyone's shooting each other with it and they're all dropping and getting straight back up like, I feel great. Oh, I needed that. I needed that. Cheers, man. (laughs) Uh, That would be the best war. (laughs) Maybe it's why the Chinese didn't use it at first cause they probably thought it still was the elixir of life, maybe.
0: They are probably a superstitious. About it. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so you do all that and then you're ready to fire the gun. Now what's left is on the side of the musket is what is a little shelf and this shelf is called the pan and you put more gunpowder in the pan and that's essentially somewhere to, it's essentially a way of uh, sitting next to the touch hole. Right. And there's also a cover that you can slide over the top to keep the gunpowder in it um, or mainly to uh, keep the pan from accidentally being ignited, so it's to cover it up. So if you're not going to fire straight away, um, or even during the loading process, you want to make sure that's covering the gunpowder. Um, otherwise, yeah, you could accidentally discharge before you want, and it's easily done. I've uh, I've done it a few times. Nearly blew my fingers off. Nearly blew my friend's face off.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Luckily, we're firing blanks, and everything was fine. But <sighs> it was it was a bad day, and it's caught on video and. You can't really see it, but if you know that we're both absolutely about to shit ourselves, uh, then you can see it.
0: Oh, Okay, so it's like
1: a yeah, because I, I yeah, it was it was a bad day anyway. So you, yeah, you got the pan to keep that nice and safe. Now, once you've done that, you've got your gunpowder in there, um, pan's closed. Uh, although sometimes what they would do, no, that's exactly what you do. Sorry, gunpowder in the pan, pan closed. And then you have your match. Now your match at this point is a bit of rope dipped in saltpeter um, or potassium nitrate, um, and that allows the rope to burn slowly um, but hot, a bit like a cigarette. Right. Okay. So, you, you, and what you want to do is blow on it until you have got a nice sort of like. Typically, you want a nice little pencil point on it that's glowing orange. That's gonna be like your top dog stuff, but to be fair,
0: God, I can imagine in the cause, battlefield cause, that ain't possible, though, is it? Like, no. Now, ideally, like they're all sitting there and they're, like class gun shooting class. Now, typically, you're going to want a nice pencil type sharp. The thing pinpoint. is, point. And then in the battlefield, it's pissing wet. There's fucking mud everywhere. <sighs> Don't. You're trying to fucking. Get you, this you're thing shitting to like... yourself because you've got people charging it. Yeah. Also shooting weapons, and you're there trying to load yours. You fucking salt peter's gone out. Life's
1: not good. Yeah, well, this this is the thing. Like, there was a lot of um, practices that caused dangers. I can imagine it's like... And accidents. Yeah, it's very much perfect
0: conditions for the best possible. Like, now, at least there's, you know, guns are reliable. Well, most, you know, some are they're mostly reliable with good maintenance and all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah
1: reliable safe enough yeah. they've got safety mechanisms built into them
0: accurate yeah you can shoot multiple rounds down you know what i mean like but you know i can't when you're practicing doing it in a yeah, nice so... warm day probably yeah got a nice like open field with like a nice you know
1: well unfortunately for a lot of these lads especially during the english civil war when men were or, uh, desperately needed they were getting like sometimes as little as an afternoon's training with them before being sent out oh my god yeah um but
0: good luck lads see you later <laughs> you are
1: going <gotta> to be fine <laughs> it's so sad
0: Um meanwhile all of them one of them in the background is
1: literally just blowing
0: himself up oh, don't don't mind him he was it does idiot. happen though, man <laughs>
1: But funny enough as well, though, gunpowder, whilst it is incredibly volatile and will always go off when you don't want it to, sometimes won't go off when you do. Like, it can be really, really stubborn. So any, like, a rainy day, uh, and if your gunpowder is getting a bit damp... Just like humidity. Yeah. yeah. So if, if it if it gets too wet, it won't go. So it's quite susceptible to sort of, like, environmental things. Um. But, yeah, so... You've got all that. You've got your match. You then put your match on the... Well, they sometimes called it serpent's head, but it's basically like a, a lever on the side of the gun, which has a little pinching prong at the end. And you just wedge the rope into the, between the pinching prongs. Right. And you can sometimes with some of them tighten that to make sure it grips it nice and tight. Um, and then when you're ready, you'll bring the firearm up to your shoulder and hold it against the shoulder that way uh, to deal with the recoil. Um, some of these early muskets were very large, very long, very heavy, so sometimes you actually had a stand that you'd prop them up on. Tripod? Bit like a tripod, but it was mainly just a stick with a spike. (laughs) So you put the stick with the spike in the ground and there's a little prong on the top that you could rest the gun on. How long that
0: stick with a spike lasted?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're quite well made sticks with spikes. Uh, But anyway, um, and then you would open the pan up uh, and you'd pull the trigger, and as you pull the trigger, um, the trigger simply makes the mechanism drop the little arm drop down into the pan and hopefully if everything's gone right you'll ignite the powder in the pan which burns through the touch hole into the charge of the breach of the barrel and if not
0: you're going home with no jaw
1: yeah 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 um if it doesn't go well um then either it didn't shoot and you got skewered by whatever you're trying to shoot um or it blew up but yeah people people used to make mistakes with that stuff all the time like one of the things because again keeping the match lit was quite important to being able to fire um, rapidly, obviously, because you don't want to be relighting really that thing over and over again, and uh, it's a difficult thing to do. So, a lot of the time, some of the musketeers would adopt having it wrapped around their hands when they're not, when they were doing the rest of the loading processes and stuff, so they could quickly keep blowing on it and then continue their practices.
0: Okay, like on the back of the hand or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that also is dangerous. Yeah, so you're super handling- dangerous. Super dangerous. Fucking gunpowder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've got this burning thing yeah. and embers fall off and shit. Like
1: with modern practices, certainly with our safety policies, if we ever do like a gun shooting thing, um, we actually have two people involved. So one person holds the match until the other person's ready to fire.
0: <laughs> Very far away.
1: <laughs> yeah. And basically the gunpowder charge or the gunpowder horn, which you keep the gunpowder in, uh, we make sure that is always uh, swapped over. To make sure, yeah, the match and that does not come into contact. It's, it's a very sort of meticulous thing we do today. But back then, well, when didn't you have say,
0: "Oh, wonder Kate, you just couldn't get this gunpowder to light," oh, you me. were there with like, but what was basically a fucking lit flame going,
1: yeah. please fucking light. light, and it just wouldn't <laughs> go. Sounds
0: like you don't expect that. Like gunpowder is very. This is a thing. Like you watch, um, uh, what's the film about? Um, Guy Fawkes.
1: I don't know what the film is, but... The gunpowder plot.
0: Yeah. Oh, what was it called? How bloody... Oh, it's that recent one.
1: The... V for Vendetta?
0: V for Vendetta. okay, yeah. But you just... Ex- you know, you watch... Uh, it doesn't... Not even that film. Just any film with fucking gunpowder... pretty gun- sure uses C4. Gunpowder as a bloody... Weapon. And they always blow themselves up instantly, because... A light breeze
1: came in the room, yeah.
0: And a couple of them rubbed together, and a small spark was, yeah. like, you know, ignited it all.
1: <laughs> but sometimes that is does happen. Yeah, no, I, I can it, imagine. There's a real inconsistency but, but, with but it. But then you
0: you you were telling me just like uh, yeah, literally, we just couldn't get this thing for life. Like
1: the one where we accidentally discharged when we weren't ready was because there was a single grain sat on top of the pan, and a tiny bit of the the just a little ember fell off the thing, hit that single grain, set that off, which was enough to set the stuff off in the pan. It was it was a real freak accident, but it does happen, so it's really dangerous. But there was a, one story where a guy went to refill his powder flask from a big barrel of the stuff with the match still in his hand, boom, blew himself up. Poor guy. Yeah, not great. But no, so they're pretty. They're still very dangerous for the user. But we're now looking at thanks to drill practices and through uh, a sort of standardisation of how to use the firearm. The rate of fire goes up from one a minute to two shots in a minute.
0: Oh, you're for yeah. right, your two yeah. two, ra- <laughs> two rounds. Yeah, per minute? pretty
1: consistent. Two shots a minute. We're looking pretty far here, guys. So is that is that just from just that? T- yeah, the technique. Yeah. So the 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 slight innovation of having a mechanical ignition on the gun, which is both there to make it safer for the user, but also more con- yeah. Uh, yeah, but also helps with sort of speeding up the process, um, and the firearm itself, uh, and the drilling. Sorry, the drilling, and the practicing, and the yeah, the uniformity of how to operate also increases the rate of fire. So, and that that's ultimately the everyone's gun goals is to make it more Not accurate. Not kill the user. <laughs> yeah, safer, more accurate, higher rate of fire. Those are typically the ambitions, and that's the general trend of how guns develop over the Mm -hmm. years. Um, So, during the English Civil War.
0: Or if you're in America, you know, being able to buy a semi automatic uh, for uh, hunting uses. Yes. Yes. That seems to be
1: pretty. Well, the hunting area does have a lot of innovations in it, to be fair. And a lot of the progression in uh, firearms uh, come, some of them come from the hunting arena and the sport shooting side of it.
0: That was a joke, David. (laughs)
1: you can't joke to me about history (laughs) I was joking yeah
0: it it was mainly just (laughs) around the stupid gun laws in America again getting political
1: (laughs) (laughs) get the politics out we said we said no politics right back to the history stop licking sugar off a plate you weirdo it's
0: so good (laughs) it's like crack mate.
1: (laughs) so we had some donuts yeah we did they were lovely and he's just licking the old sugar that's been left on the don't judge me. I'm judging. Um, but yeah, so we use that technology throughout the uh, English Civil War. Oh, it's so good. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and uh, and the next development in the firearm is Ooh, again. One
0: minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I hung me! Oh no, I've got a hair.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! That oh, could be any of us. I'm so hairy. I need a hair. Ah, there
0: we go. Right, Right.
1: I'm ready. So the next development in the firearm is, uh, again, we've still got muskets, um, but we have changed the ignition and we have changed the uh, sort of firing drills and the ammunition slightly. So the next sort of like big leap forward, you could argue, is like the Brown Bess, which is a bit of a nickname given to a lot of muskets during the sort of late 1700s, early 1800s. So it's 200 years before
0: we started getting like...
1: Started to change things. Well, no, um, sorry. In the English Civil War, I forget, the, this innovation comes in. Um, this next step in the innovation comes in and that technology is flintlock technology. So it, they do start to develop it, but it's not given... Not to the, sponsored
0: by, but would like to be.
1: Would like to be sponsored by flintlock muskets. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> if you're listening. Uh...
1: Um, so the technology was being developed, but it wasn't like used en masse for a, a lot later until a lot later so when was that um so we're looking at sort of like 16 uh sort of 1640s this that's 1650s. still a 100 odd
0: years at advanced like future like
1: they refine the technology but the flintlock is the next step forward if you know what i mean yeah so the brown Bess is is a lot later down the line but the technology it's using is has been well established by that point right. and it started to come into innovation by the end of the like 1650s but okay. sorry the end of the 1640s and early 1650s so the flintlock is just well uh, this is ah uh, so you heard of a flintlock has not you like a flintlock musket no. i've
0: heard of flintlock i've never i don't know what it
1: is yeah that's fine uh have you heard of a wheel lock no no so hd dvds and blu-rays this is that but in muskets so, basically, at the same time, you had a flint lock and a wheel lock. And the both will work on the same principle. They both use flint as an ignition source. Now, with a flint lock, the way it operates is you crank back the hammer. That's got the flint in it. You then have what's called a frizzen, which sits on top of the pan, which is a tall bit of steel. You pull the trigger. A spring snaps the hammer forward, scrapes the steel, drags the sparks down into the pan below, ignites the weapon. The wheel lock...
0: Like a lighter.
1: Like a lighter. The wheel, no, the, yeah, the wheel lock is like a lighter.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So it's more like a lighter than. It. So basically, what you have is
0: you're just there, like, please light, <laughs> please <laughs> fucking light. It's a bit windy. It's a bit of wind.
1: Yeah, it's it raining won't go a off. bit. It won't like, go
0: off. Please, come on.
1: Um, so the wheel lock um, is a, if you imagine like a a grind wheel on the side of the gun, right. and you have to then take a spanner. Crank it up to so the spring engages.
0: Oh, this is effort.
1: Place the hammer down onto the wheel. Already. Pull the trigger. Steps. And the wheel would spin rapidly, causing the spark to go off and set the uh, firearm off. Okay. The wheel lock doesn't win out, out of the two technologies. Uh, the yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> on paper, the wheel lock is a far better igniting mechanism. It's far more reliable. But in practical application, the flint lock was far easier to use. Because if you lost the spanner for your wheel lock, you couldn't reload your weapon. The time it took to do it also was a lot longer. Also, the wheel lock was prone to failure if you left it cranked for too long because the metallurgy at the time wasn't good enough to keep the springs engaged. So they would often lose their springiness. if they It's just more mechanical walked.
0: parts, isn't it? Exactly.
1: There's more to go oh. wrong. Whilst the flint lock, basically, even in the 1800s, the flintlock was only shooting maybe, would only ignite six times out of 10. But the process of redoing it is as simple as cranking it back closing the pan and shooting again mm. and hopefully at this time it will go so the, the flintlock wins out um, and the innovation to if we jump forward to the brown best now the innovation with sort of firing drills as well is that instead of having all your components such as your musket ball your gunpowder and your wadding all in separate containers um you're now having them in a single cartridge so you have the the musket ball you then have the what is known as cartridge paper it's where we get that from. It's like a waxed paper. Um, you then sort of like put the musket ball in the bottom, wrap the paper over it, twist it, and then you have like a pouch at the top, which you pour the gunpowder into, and then you seal it off at the top. And then the way you'd work it is very simply you pull that cartridge out, you'd bite the top of the cartridge, rip the paper off with your mouth, spit the bit of paper out, and probably some gunpowder. It tastes like shit. Uh, and then. No,
0: David, elixir of life. Sorry, elixir of life. So of course, we have to look, they have to, you know. Taste it. Before, taste it before. Before they shoot. It. Yeah, obviously. That seems to be a common
1: Common part of the practice. Common part of,
0: yeah, yeah firing okay. weapons back in the day.
1: You are right. Yeah. But if you imagine the elixir of lice tastes like s- the sand in, in your food at the beach, but worse.
0: Does it taste eggy?
1: No, it doesn't taste eggy. It smells eggy. It tastes like the worst part of burnt food. It's not great. And it's dry, man. It dries your mouth out. Anyway. Not, but...
0: <laughs> I wouldn't put it on my chips. Uh, <laughs> but,
1: yeah, it's, it's, there's no substitute for salt. <laughs> they did try once. Uh... Blew his teeth off. <laughs> oh, Gummy's over there. Thought he'd be smart and put fucking gunpowder in his chips. <laughs> fucking potato and teeth everywhere. <laughs> now look at him. Smiling in the corner with his gums. Stop looking at me, Gummy. <laughs> <laughs> just got this hole in the bottom
0: of his like jaw anyway someone has to come along with a pan <laughs> just to collect all the all the, all the pus and oh, no and I don't, <laughs> anyway oh god I do need a piss though so one sec I told you <laughs> I told you this would happen give me another tea and he's uh, like oh well it's not history tea without tea is it I'm like fair enough you got me there so I'll have one more now
1: no, go for a wee. Good. Go for a wee. I'll entertain him whilst you're gone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is uh, David's segment of the show. <laughs> Welcome to the segment where I get to talk, and Ali's not here. It is well snowing out. I know it's blizzarding, but I didn't want to mention anything because I knew he'd shout at it. He's like, "Why is it snowing? It's spring." Anyway, yeah, gunpowder tastes disgusting. Do not recommend. Other tips with gunpowder. Do not put on your eyes. Again, it hurts. Do not put on anything that you don't want to explode. Because it will. Um, What else do you want to not do with gunpowder? Oh, there was a cool practice that people, uh, again, we're looking 1800s and a little bit later. But there was like this practice of saber sparring. And one of the things they would do was you would cut the cheek during the fight, and that was the target area. And uh, if you got that cut, it was sort of a sign of that you kind of had a good upbringing and that you were a valiant person. So often they would rub gunpowder into that cut to make sure it scarred really well. Um, so I think you could do a gunpowder. But he's back. He's back, and we're going to. End David's segment on what not to do and to do with gunpowder, and return to the main programming.
0: I just don't like how it's really fucking
1: snowy. Inside. It's mad, isn't it? So you bite the top of the cartridge off, you pull the gunpowder in, you then shove the paper and the, the musket ball all down in one.
0: Oh, one minute. What? You know when you get really comfy?
1: Yeah, I know. And then you move. move yeah. yeah. And you get
0: back and you can't get into the same position again. He's fidgeting. Every, everything's changed.
1: Okay. I feel, I feel Okay. Um, wait. Let's go with that.
0: This this'll be fine.
1: Yeah. So there we are. And then you ram everything down with what is now known as a ramrod, which is essentially the same thing as a scouring stick. I don't know why they're different names, but you know, gotta be trying to be accurate. Uh yeah. And, uh, and you shoot it. Oh, and one tip for anyone using a musket. Don't forget to take out the ramrod. Because, yes, you will skewer a guy spectacularly. But you will not be able to reload your weapon. Oh,
0: did you bring spares?
1: No. So just pray you never did it.
0: Uh, David's top tip of the... Don't leave
1: stick in bike. barrel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when shooting someone, don't leave other things in the barrel
1: yeah um but yeah so that's the that's the process of the that that flintlock um and around the brown vest times they are starting to deviate in sort of gun sizes as well too for different purposes so a carbine is typically a shorter musket or a shorter rifle to make it they were initially created for cavalry Um, But nowadays, a carbine version of a firearm might be used for close quarters and CQB and that sort of stuff. Um, Or for maritime use as well, because you're, again, fighting in close quarters. Um, But typically, carbines are not really much of a thing anymore because most firearms, like most service-issue rifles, are kind of all-purpose, and they're designed to work in different scenarios rather than for a very particular job. But anyway, digress. And also, the trumpet one, the blunderbuss. I mm. uh, starting to see a thing and that's essentially a shotgun of the day. Mm. There you go. So. Could you just chuck anything down? And... Yes. I love it. Don't recommend. You'd recommend pellets because again, you likely causing wife. an issue. Come on, get
0: in here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're just... We're just... <laughs> it's fine, get in.
1: No, but you, you could uh, put like rocks and bits of shrapnel and stuff in it. Like, it didn't have to be uniform stuff. Um, cause, and that's another thing people think the blunderbuss flare at the end is to increase spread um it's actually to make it easier to pour the ball bearings and stuff in oh just to all like yeah it's like fun- a funnel it's a funnel it's oh, not wow. yeah it's not a flare to a spread it's a funnel to contain essentially which is cool
0: that makes sense because mm. you you'd probably be thinking right if it was all you i mean i know they had pretty big barrels
1: mm. but
0: if you're like trying to pick up loads of stuff and you're trying to
1: yeah
0: well, I'll probably get rid of this bit because I don't know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, like, if you're just trying to pick up stuff in your hand and, like, yeah. funnel it into to a, a... small barrel, yeah, you're gonna... just going to piss everywhere.
1: Exactly. Um, and also, like, so at this point during the 1800s as well, like, you've got quite a dedicated naval force and they're using very similar weapons, but they're also... Um, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are actually cast in brass rather than in steel. And that's because brass doesn't um, uh, rust as much. So, yeah. So that's why they use those. They also had a really cool gun called the knock gun. So if you imagine a musket, but it has six barrels instead of just one.
0: Six barrels. And it all
1: goes off at once.
0: So you have to fill up six times.
1: Yeah, it's a one-shot thing. Like, you, what was that for? So that was typically was that the end
0: boss or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, he's coming what you... the big guns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not wrong, man. It was there to pick off um, naval officers. So you'd be up in the crow's nest with it, and because again, accuracy was not great on muskets at the time, they couldn't didn't really have a legit way of sniping. So they put six barrels on this thing because they thought, well, one of the six is going to fucking hit. Six him.
0: is better than one.
1: <laughs> Problem was they had very limited service, and that's because if you shoot six muskets, it's gonna take your fucking shoulder off. Yeah. Like one musket kick is pretty, pretty substantial. Six is ungodly. And so they used to just cause too much injury and they just weren't very popular, so they, they stopped using them. Um and then actually speaking of naval, the next big development again is in the ignition type. So we've gone from matchlock to flintlock. We're now going to hammerlock. And again, the naval guys were some of the first to adopt this on a larger scale because of keeping powder dry. And the way this one works is, and this was innovated through the hunting area. So joking aside, basically when people were hunting with flintlocks, they found that the flash in the pan, because it was all external, would scare off the fucking ducks and shit that they're trying to shoot before the bullet went down.
0: Would the noise not do that though?
1: Uh, the I don't know.
0: Obviously, you get yeah the noise, the flash before the bang. But I could imagine.
1: So yeah, so could basically you when gonna... you fire the musket, it it is pretty rapid, but there is a slight delay between the flash and the bang, and so if you hear, a <laughs> it might just be enough for the duck to fuck off. But anyway. Um. So they develop the hammerlock, and the hammerlock is essentially. <laughs> you're gonna like this. Right, so instead of the flintlock and the exposed pan, you have an internal pan. No, not even that. It's essentially they've elongated the touch hole and on top of the touch hole is a nipple. Mm. Yeah, I knew you'd like that, nipple.
0: I just love...
1: It's fucking hilarious. When you're trying to talk to someone about guns and they're like, so this is the nipple and nearly everyone smirks even just a sl- yeah it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter who you are if you say the word nipple when you're trying to talk about a gun people go <laughs> <laughs> nipples nipples so yeah so you got the nipple and uh which is like just an extended uh touch hole essentially Then you put this little thing on top of it which is a little black like a brass capsule and it's called a percussion cap uh it's a bit like um Actually, probably not. But like early, well, it is a bit like a cap gun. Like, All right. Yeah. So you know, you get those little things. So that's essentially the same thing, um, and it's filled with a, an explosive called Formant of mercury, which only goes off under impact.
0: Uh, also, another elixir of life. Yeah.
1: Also, drink that. Uh, it's <laughs> great for your teeth. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and then the instead of having the, the flint on the hammer, you've just got the hammer essentially, and when you pull the trigger, the hammer comes crashing down, hits the percussion cap which will then explode into the touch hole or the nipple and uh, ignite the charge inside. Um, and that will shoot the weapon. So that was another development that comes up. Um, oh, and also I will say as well, a kind of chronolo- chronolog- chronologically we've fucked a bit fucked up because um, I forgot to tell people about the rifle.
0: Oh, David. Well, we might as well just quit now. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, listeners. But the rifle So the rifle comes in. Sorry for
0: his incompetence here.
1: So I think the first ever rifle invented, I could be wrong actually, but one of the (laughs) earlier rifles invented was called a Brunswick rifle. And what a rifle is and why it's different to a musket is that inside the barrel, they, um, actually that's really wrong because actually the first rifle was actually invented during Henry VIII's period in the 1500s, but they couldn't do it consistently enough to make it a viable technology anyway but you basically cut grooves into the inside of the barrel and that causes the projectile to spin uh, Mm. upon shooting rather than being smooth which doesn't cause this and as you know if something's spinning you get like essentially a stabilizing force it's why arrows have fletchings on them to help them spin to make them travel further and so that's a huge jump in technology um, and that comes in
0: it's mad that no one thought about that prior like because obviously the technology for arrows and fletchings were designed to do that yeah day, but like did they not think did someone not go oh you know what maybe we should but then again i guess someone would have to figure out oh actually if you put grooves inside the barrel as opposed to on the exactly how do you projectile, yeah
1: so how do you make a, do a, you a, a round bullet do yeah. that yeah exactly so there was a lot of things to overcome um but yeah and one of the sort of most sort of well-known rifles and some of the earliest or sort of like rifles uh, the british use was uh the baker rifle which was famously used by uh the f- um what was it sharp Matt baker no you know you BBC. know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know um he made it uh, rifleman funny enough um in the british army and that's what sharp was if you ever watch sharp with uh the guy who dies all the time sean bean Bastard. Bastard.
0: Yellow belly
1: bastard. But yeah, he sort of, uh, he was playing one of those guys and the rifle was their thing. They were kind of skirmisher troops when most of the army would have used smoothbore because they were line infantry. But these guys were designed to sort of like shoot important targets and shit like that, like snipe people. Um, but yeah, and so, and then once, so so we get the rifle quite early on in the 18, like 1800s and even a little bit earlier. Um, but the reason why the regular line infantry don't get given the rifle is because of rate of fire. Because for rifling to work, the bullet has to touch the barrel edges. And that makes reloading really slow because you, the bullet essentially has to get hammered down. It's really tough to get down the barrel. So they didn't give also, it... Also,
0: sure, that would be tough to get out as well, would
1: it? Well, no, because you shoot it.
0: Yeah, but you still got those, still a lot of friction to be able to...
1: Yeah, but that's okay because it, it causes it to spin. Oh, it has to right. be engaging and touching, essentially, to cause that rotation. Oh, because the grooves
0: would mm-hmm. then make it follow that, like like a screw. Yeah, almost. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
1: So, so that was uh, a big problem because you know, obviously, it'd be great to have every soldier with a rifle because they could shoot further and more accurately. But we can't compromise on the rate of fire, which admittedly was only like three to four rounds a minute. But it was still really important to be keeping fire going downrange. Um, so the develop- when the rifles become standard issue for, at least in the British Army, it comes with the P-53. Um, and the genius of the P-53 is the actual ammunition they used. It's called a minier round. And it looks a little bit less like a musket ball and more like that conical shape that we would associate with a bullet today. Oh, okay. And the genius of it was, in, at the bottom of this cone was a dimple, a bit like the bottom of a wine glass. And so what you do is when you load the weapon, you could get the round down really easily. 'Cause it wasn't flush to the barrel. But when you shot the weapon, the energy from the explosion would go into that dimple and cause the ammunition to spread open, thus engaging the rifling on the way out.
0: Right.
1: So they could have the high rate of fire of three to four shots a minute, but with the accuracy of a rifle all of a sudden. And that was a huge leap forward in technology. Um so that that was that was a real big deal. Um so along with the hammerlock now and the um rifling we've got a firearm that is very safe to use it's very consistent um, and the rate of fire is pretty high and incredibly accurate um in fact you start to see sort of sniping become a actual sort of technique starting to be utilized by armies so the crimean war was a good example and the russians were using it um so as well as the british it's why as well um the more audacious uniforms of important officers and things start to get dumbed down a little bit to make them a little bit more rank and file because they didn't want to stand out because people could be like I see you you can not <laughs> shoot you from a mile off yeah we have these <laughs> uh,
0: pretty good weapons now we like i think in up.
1: the crimean mm. like the a lot of the officers actually took their jackets off um to avoid being targeted in that manner so um yeah so it was a hugely forward hugely forward in technology um and uh yeah and so the P53 was Combining all the things we talked about, rifling, hammerlocks, and that was you in a lot of 1853. So it, if you, if your
0: commanding officer is taking off his shit and putting it on you, like, oh god, yeah, yeah, you what, <laughs> what are you doing? I oh, I just no, thought no,
1: you'd look no, nice in that. Yeah, you look great, mate. I think those probably- golden epaulets really complement your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> just go and stand at the front there. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should lead us. Yeah. today, just yeah. for today, just for today, training. Yeah. yeah, I see potential in you, and I want to give you a test run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... didn't pass the test. I'll have that back. <laughs> Passes it on to the next guy. Here you go. You try.
0: <laughs> How many bullets have they got?
1: <laughs> yeah, just counting the holes in the jacket. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So it's, it's a big leap forward, and it changes how firearms get utilized in the future um crimean war, war so what, what year uh, so the p53 was uh created and put in standard issue in 1853
0: okay so we're getting more 50 years from you know first world war kind of
1: yeah yeah we're getting closer to and, and things start to rapidly change um because it's not long until we actually get rid of all the muzzle loading weapons and replace it with uh, breech loading weapons and instead of using musket balls we then start to use uh what we would understand as a bullet today mm. so
0: and there's a bullet is there any more before we move on to bullets mm. is there any other pertinent stuff we should know from the rifle loading or the end loading
1: Oh, no, the P-53 works just like any other musket in the sense that you have to put everything down the barrel
0: and ram it down. That's loader. Yeah. I've been listening. You've been listening.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, you've got to... If they're barrel loading, you've got to put uh, the gunpowder down the barrel, the wadding, all that sort of stuff. And again, they come in cartridges, so they're easier to do, much quicker to use. Um, But, yeah, we do away with that and we start looking at breech-loading weapons. Um, Now, obviously... uh, we are omitting quite a lot of other firearms and and cutting edge stuff
0: well i'm yeah but we we're, we're talking about like the
1: we're talking about a, a very advances. gen yeah main leaps and generalizations uh, in, in in sort of like advancing through and i'm using the british rifles really as an examples of those in between these points and there are sort of offshoots like i said henry the 8th was playing around with rifling back in his day so there are exceptions to the rule um and there's loads of really weird and wonderful guns that again, a bit like the wheel lock and the flint lock where people have tried to innovate and have unfortunately come up short, but the ideas yeah, are but really they exciting. Do, yeah,
0: but they do that now. Like you've seen the guy that 3d printed his own weapon and like took it through airport security just to try and like, it could only fire one, one bullet yeah. before it like
1: but have you seen like they've the development in that like they're making they're making, well, they're can, making semi-automatics get, like and, and automatic fi- like get 3D fi-
0: printing metals now yeah like but back you know before it was you know plastic. well these still are polymer got, yeah
1: but they're still like rapid fires and stuff that's, it's terrifying yeah it's not, not good fun, it? Um but yeah so um obviously you still need the ammunition you can't 3D print ammunition you can't 3D print gunpowder
0: but no, but Yet. I can imagine you can hide a single bullet if you wanted to uh, going through. Um, not that we're saying you should.
1: You know what? I we'll, don't know. We'll, how will admit this. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> how you would, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so after all that, we're now going to get to the Martini Henry, which was famously used during the very, very uh, what should we call it? Controversial. Zulu Wars, where we were over protecting our colonial uh, assets against native people. Not P- great.
0: Protecting or uh, is that is that a polite way? Do you, do you
1: it's a political way of putting it. <laughs> it, it
0: PC way.
1: We're, it we're not going to yeah, go into yeah, the politics our assets, of it today. Because I mean... genuinely don't think I am well informed enough about the conflict or equipped to deal with such hefty topics. But, uh, you know, it might come in the future, um, talking about empire and that whole debacle. Um, But we'll stick with the guns and the development of the guns. And the Martini Henry was the first standard-issue breech-loading rifle for the British infantry. And it was the first one to use a bullet. So what is a bullet?
0: Well, I don't know whether we should... um is, would this come into part two?
1: Well, we could go into part two. We finished all the muzzle loaders. Well, um, I mean, it is getting on a bit. <clears throat> okay, do you know what? I've just teased you.
0: Yeah. So now a little bit of bullet teasing. Now modern weapons are well, what you we, we know as
1: is... we're going to go from the which Martini is Henry through still the to thing the that,
0: that was in what 1850. Wait, when was mm, it? So this
1: one was the Zulu Wars, which was a well, oh, fuck, what was it? It was 18. I think it was 1880s or 1870s. Uh, Samagandas. It was... Yeah. Oh, God, it was even late. It was was, the year of 1879.
0: So this is arguably modern-day weaponry.
1: Pretty much. We're pretty much getting to it. Um, So, yeah, we can leave it there, and we can pick up from it pick it up from the next episode and continue through to modern day stuff
0: yeah we'll do that because um i think we're probably already on about an hour or 20
1: yeah <clears throat> yeah i'm happy to do that i
0: feel like we've done a pretty well you've done a pretty good overview of you know yeah the weaponry the guns the
1: yeah and the guns, general yeah gen- the guns general, yeah. general yeah. development G- of the guns. guns and stuff the guns <laughs> are gone and done they're talking about the gunnies <laughs> oh dear <Gornis.
0: coughs> one minute.
1: He's dying. I've
0: been shot in the chest with a rifle.
1: Yeah, so okay, we'll we'll bring it to an end there and uh we will
0: No, that was good though. I enjoy I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I,
0: I um didn't think uh they existed that long ago. You yeah, just don't mad. know. No you don't like they are primitive though compared to what you see now. But yeah. there would be, of course there would be. But um you don't think they were that far not like, long ago. It's just mad that like weapon technology I've always thought it's just so slow growing. Like compared to other stuff.
1: Well this is the thing, it, it but
0: But they're still used today. Like it's still it's a primitive for like it's... they're so effective and that's why they're still used, yeah. obviously and they but they're so
1: primitive still. Yeah. Because
0: yeah, the mechanics of it are just
1: Ex- you know the mechanics haven't changed. No, the mechanics like haven't the, changed. The
0: bullets changed, and the way of like firing's changed. But you know, in terms of, it's going down a fucking barrel. Yeah, and essentially the 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 science behind uh, the explosive force in a barrel.
1: Yeah, moving but a that's why that's why you know today you got so many improvised weapons which are made out of like you can make a shotgun out of a bloody wheel lock, a steering wheel lock.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You just put. <laughs> I don't know if we want to. <laughs> no, exactly. Say how but, to
1: make it a weapon. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, probably not a good yeah, idea. Probably. But this you is what can I mean. Google it. The mechanics oh. of a firearm are very simple. It's the effect. It's the basically the ergonomics and the um, effectiveness. It's essentially yeah. It's, uh, essentially, all we've done with guns is increased the rate of which we can cause up reaction and that accuracy. process yeah
0: Just modern technology yeah because that's the thing they, they wouldn't have had similar like i I, 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 Things I imagine speed when up. you're making a gun now you'd have massive computer simulations of how that bullet would projectile out of the barrel and they could be able to tweak it and do all that kind of stuff and they'd have all the science there and the numbers in the yeah uh, in the program to be able to tell you exactly what you want
1: but also industrialization, because when we get into the part two, you, oh, will, you can make them more... Yeah, you make are going to suddenly them. see a much faster development of innovations. So, so far, it's been pretty slow going. But from this point on, it gets rapid.
0: This is what I mean. It's like the technology for that. If you look at other areas of warfare, like... Um, like I know we said we weren't going into artillery, but you look at that kind of stuff... Now we have, like, unmanned drones which have, like, nuclear bombs attached to them and, you know, that kind of caliber of weapon.
1: I'm sorry, I can't comment on that because that's not <laughs> firearms. Yes, yeah, but do you know what I mean? Aircraft. You bring an air... I said no artillery. Now you bring an aircraft into but, this? But... you absolute bastard. But com- compared to... I'm going to set some ground rules. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit.
0: Compared to, you know... You can't
1: ambush me on topics I don't know about.
0: Compared to rifles and handguns and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, like... You know, the fact that now you can just Yeah, it's just
1: completely different.
0: Like GPS guided rockets and stuff.
1: Yeah. Like mad. Is mad. But we'll touch upon that a little bit more in the next episode when we're talking about it must us, be
0: some but. new technology they're trying
1: to use. Don't. It's terrifying.
0: Is it? Do you know? Do you know much?
1: I uh, know, no, I don't know much, but I do know that essentially what we're doing is automating it. Because the biggest problem, PR wise, is that people get killed. You like the people that you're meant to like, so your soldiers and stuff. So it's they're p- moving towards trying to make things more safe for the soldiers, by which ultimately means removing them from the combat zone. Essentially, like nowadays, you only really put boots on ground where you need to hold it. Um, you, you know, you can use drones and airstrikes now to remove the target but if you want to stop people from moving back into that area you need boots on ground um, so it's just one of those things it's, it's mad it's mad where it's going
0: I don't like it
1: that's no, scary that's why we do history because we know history and <clears throat> history is
0: safe we ain't gonna but yeah but this is when you get to the repeating history side
1: people don't listen I mean, I read an article that like, uh, a uh, large-scale conflict is possible in the next 30 years, apparently.
0: This is the problem I have with this, though. It's like... Is it? Everyone I? has I th- I nuclear think... weapons. By the time the first one's gone off, we'll all be dead. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I don't... Mm. Mm.
1: Uh.
0: But again, let's not
1: talk about... What was it? It, it was... I don't know what weapons World War 3 will be fought with, but I do know that World War 4 will be fought with sticks and stones. That was,
0: was it, was it not Einstein?
1: That was Einstein, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll separate this yeah, into two we'll, parts.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll go part two. Yeah, and we'll,
1: t- yeah, we'll pick up where we left off with the, the he- Martini Henry and, yeah, and talk about how things developed from that point on. Cool. Excellent. Well, wow. that was fun. If not a bit harrowing and slightly scary. We had fun on the way.
0: It's just mad these people that developed all these things and tried different ways. I don't know. It's just crazy, isn't it? Especially the technology they had. Like, even if I was had the technical know how to be like, I could develop this a little bit better. Like, keep increasing on you know the reliability, the rate of fire, all that sort. Even if I knew and had the technical know how, would you really want to be playing around with fucking gunpowder and shit? knowing fully well that people have blown their hands off and faces and all that sort of stuff. Not like a small amount of people. I can imagine it happened quite regularly where people just blew hands off, didn't store shit correctly. mm mm-hmm. like, Why would you want to play with that? Because... I get it, war. Men
1: just want to see the world burn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense, like...
1: Yeah, but do you remember your obsession with, like, firecrackers as kids? Like, I remember when people came back from France on like, trips. France was a crazy place. And they shit. and they brought back some explosive things, and you were like, that is the coolest the thing ever thing is, ever you seen.
0: could buy them from, like, street sellers. Yeah. Because I remember it would be like, you can buy them at, like, 13, 14.
1: Yeah. And we, like... We used to blow shit up with them. We used to go and blow, like... Our friend had, like, some old Warhammer it's models, so and we used to just go and bad. blow them up in the forest.
0: It's awful. Well, we... I hope you had fun. Yeah. Um, we certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: uh. It's Friday night. It's Sunday. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess we'll just we'll end it there, and you can see you in part two. Yeah. Hopefully, if you liked it, there's part two coming. Obviously, like we said, talking more about the what we'd consider, I guess, modern, modern. Day weaponry. Yeah. Um. I mean, it wouldn't be modern.
1: It can't be modern because it's history Yeah, but... But it will be nearly modern.
0: Arguably the modern era of weaponry. It's slowly... What we know today as a a gun, I guess.
1: Anyway, I've been David.
0: (laughs) I've been Ali.
1: And we're bringing this to an end. See you next time. See you in a bit. boy. You can't see on the... Well, you can't hear through the airways. I'm actually
0: pointing my fingers up in the air. He's dancing.
1: Oh, no, no. He's doing cowboy shooting. End of the episode. Excellent. There we go. Boom. (laughs) See
0: you in a bit. Bye. Bye.